0: Etc. with young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue on. So I've been thinking, you know. You know that song, A Rush and a Push and the Land Is Ours? By the Smiths, you know. I mean, I, I get it. I get that it's about. PR. I mean those two words rush and push are basically the same, except for the first letter of each, which just so happened to not so discreetly be P and R. I mean I get it, you know, like I said, you know, to get your music out there, you need a promotional campaign, public relations, you know? Woo! But like, has anyone considered the possibility that it was a hint? That Morrissey and Marr would have liked nothing more than for the Canadian power rock trio Rush to cover that excellent tune Push by The Cure? What would that sound like? I mean, maybe that's what the Smiths were going for in the studio. They say to Steven Street, we found the formula for a worldwide number one single. We've just got to make this song sound like Canadian power rock trio Rush covering Push by The Cure. And Steven Street is all, you don't have to explain who Rush is to me. Huffs off into the drum booth. Starts rocking out on those fills from Tom Sawyer. And the Smiths collectively are like, all right, I guess we don't. But not Tom Sawyer. Like if they were covering Push by The Cure. But I mean also... We're leaving out the crucial second half of the title. The difficult second half of the title, you know? Because, I mean, maybe they had some sort of crazy idea for, like, some sort of land grab, you know? Like the 19th century robber barons. A bit more difficult to do by the 1980s, you know? And in the pop music world where land isn't really the commodity bands deal in or even form to obtain. I mean, you can purchase property without ever learning to play the guitar, especially, you know, not as great as Johnny Marr or even knowing what a paradiddle is, you know? I mean, I get Dollywood is a real cool place to go, but I'm sure that wasn't Miss Parton's sole intention when getting into the game. You know? But whatever their plan, I mean, they're just hiding it out in the open. First track, too. Off Strange Ways, Here We Come. You know, I had no idea that Strange Ways was a prison when I first heard that title. You know, being in America and all, I didn't realize until years later. I just thought it meant, you know, strange ways, like being a little off kilter, like so many of us who listen to the Smiths back then seem to be, but like hiding it out in the open, I mean, maybe if they toured that album, their plan was to have the Canadian power rock trio Rush, keeping the description that the tour sponsors felt, I mean, I don't know why Rush were pretty big in the 80s, But the Smiths' plan was to have the Canadian power rock trio Rush be their opening act. But only playing the song Push by The Cure. I mean, Rush are known for their prog tendencies, you know. I mean, maybe not enough to have them be known as the Canadian power prog rock trio Rush. But nonetheless, they could easily extend that one Cure song to, well, a half-hour opening set, no problem. Depends on how much time they're given, how long the Smiths boys want to hear this every night. But I'm sure Rush could even jam out on it for a cool 45 if necessary. Get Billy Dee Williams up there for some backing vocals. If y'all want to hear the rest of this story, and believe me there's more, I mean we didn't even get to the Getty Lee Roth part yet, head on over to youngsouthpaw.com, or you can grab it on iTunes or any of the podcast places, it's the latest story on the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour podcast. But now, let's get to this week's episode on this podcast. Got my very first repeat guest of the show. Dude's cranking out albums like he's in Kiss in the 1970s. I wonder what his makeup would have been. But it's my pleasure to welcome back the always entertaining Mr. John Andrew Frederick, whose new Black Watch album, From Things Some That, is out October 23rd. So let's get to it. All right. We're here today with Mr. John Andrew Frederick. How are you doing today, John?
1: I'm doing great, Mr. Southpaw. (laughs) How are you? I'm
0: doing all right,
1: thank you. All right. Nice to see you again.
0: You as well. You were my first repeat guest. How does that feel?
1: I feel terribly honored. Obviously, that's uh, something of a prompt, and at the same time, it is a prodigious honor to be uh, back. I loved your questions from last time, and I even remember most of them so well, let's try and not repeat ourselves and bore bore your fans mine i don't mine i can you know i can go ahead and manage to to, to tire them out a touch but yeah let's not bore your fans
0: i i think we'll be all right though i mean it, it is tempting to just ask you all the same questions
1: well that'd be <laughs> hilarious <laughs> i take it you still haven't I'm watched sure a- I have a different a different, you know, and um, disingenuous answer for for them somehow because I don't know what it is about you, sir, but you inspire a, a kind a kind of a, um, flippancy, a, a benign flippancy. Let's put it like that. I like that. Yeah, benign flippancy. I yeah. take it you still
0: haven't watched the Pretty Woman video uh, movie.
1: Um, I that, don't that know universe. that I have. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, actually, I, I have all new questions. So oh, I'll,
1: brilliant! Let's
0: go. with Okay. Ours. I noticed on the opening track of your new record that the chorus is "Ooh," etc. And I mean, I, I like no. the idea of you sending me secret messages through your songs, but I was planning on having <laughs> you back anyway. I just want to rest, you know, rest your mind
1: I, there. I think you're. I think you could be. You could have the dubious distinction of being our first um, conspiracy theorists. Yes, my vo- yes, I was trying to be the voice in your head, young. Uh, you know, uh, just you've caught me out on that one. Absolutely, Spookily it works because here we are. <laughs> yeah, Ju- Julie Schulte, who sang on the record and on Brilliant Failures, the last one that came out. Um, she she saw uh, i was i was I was you know fancying her singing on the the next record as well and um i showed her the lyrics and we did some rehearsing and um she she saw that i had written etc there and she kind of she sang it out herself because that wasn't the original intention it was meant to be a kind of a a in brackets filler sort of thing and um, she thought, "Gosh, you know, and she's a she's a pop boffin too. She knows way more music than you, you would ever expect anybody to do, to do." But um, but she she said, "You know, sing that out, sing out, etc." I don't know that anybody's done that in a pop song God, um, somehow. So it turned it turned out great. Yeah. It was a bold, a bold move to send you a message to. And yes, you've twigged that. Yeah, it's I was trying to beckon you to get me on the show again. Here we are. And I, it worked. Yeah. And it worked indeed.
0: Oh, I love that. Like a happy little accident of, you know, it not being. I mean, it's supposed
1: to be. Most of the mo. you know, most of the songs I consider something like happy accidents. You know, I took up painting about 10 years ago, not being able to draw a stick man, but having a, or woman, let's not, you know, the le, le, lest we be less than politically correct but to draw a stick woman, but you might get yourself in hot water talking about that. Like, he considers them just twigs, not just twiggy. Um, but I, when I started painting, I thought, you know, all I have is a yen to do something that's not... Um, you know, necessarily for recognition's sake, like everything else, it seems that I do, and I can't. I, my the nuns at, at the mission in Santa Barbara used to put D pluses on my um, etchings and things when I was ten years old, so I still put a D plus on every painting that I do. But I found that you know, if you just fall in love deeply enough with Cy Twombly, for ex- for for example, you know, and you and you uh, scrape around and. Um, toss and turn with a paintbrush or a pen in your hand, you know, things will emerge. Happy accidents will will occur somehow. And, you know, it's great that you can erase things just like when you're writing a, writing a song or writing a, you know, book or what have you. So, um, yeah, I, I believe in happy accidents. I think that, I think they're, you know, they're things to cherish.
0: Uh, crucial to the artistic process, it seems.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh,
0: what, what sort of things do you paint?
1: I I do I do things that evoke Cy Twombly. Um, I did a I did a, it's funny because I was working with a psychologist to try to get over a lost love. This was maybe twenty years ago, and she said, "Is there anything you do at all that's just for the love of it, where where you don't look for recognition and you know reviews and things like that?" Because she you know knew about my books and about the band. And I said, well, gosh, you know, tennis, of course, I'm never going to get on the pro tour. It's way too late. Um, but I said, I've always wanted to paint. And then she said, well, why don't you just go and do that and do that for the sake of its meditative qualities, etc." And I did a, a collection of um, alternative book covers, which you can find on, you know, on my Facebook page. And um, it turns out that they those and and ended up having a show. Like I did, I did M- Madame Bovary and The Metamorphosis and um, Catcher in the Rye and Lolita. So oh, you know, I'd, mm-hmm. I just I reimagined book covers because I'm obviously such a you know freaks freak for books. Books are my life more than music is even really. So that's what I did. But yeah, it's very mm-hmm. it's 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 highly derivative of Cy Twombly. and I. I think I've only bamboozled one person in the last 10 or 15 years into buying you know a painting you know i think i have another one on the line so um maybe we should just uh edit out the bit where i say i've only sold one <laughs> one painting but it was for something like 750 bucks so yeah I snickering up my sleeve there that's for sure but i love doing it it's, it does take me away from um obsessing about other things like sending you mess- <laughs> secret subliminal messages in the song.
0: I mean, there's only so many I'm going to be able to pick up on.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I get to the point could, where we're just constantly... I could,
1: I could try to torture you a touch more, Mr. Southpaw, and tell you there are more of them and send you down a veritable rabbit's hole here. So I won't do that. I love you too much to, to, to tell you to oh. go go... Go far afield in search of the uh, messages to you and the songs, but
0: but you're not going to rule out that there might be more on that. Yeah, I should, there
1: might be one or two more,
0: <laughs> and people should listen to the album because there might be ones for them too, right?
1: Yeah, for sure, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Speaking of secret messages and Nabokov, I reread The Vane Sisters last night.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's a powerful one um, for me. You know, it's in that Nabokov's dozen. Um, So if somebody, you know, chose the best of, you know, the best of um, from him, I think that's, that's, that's the kind of short story along the lines of, you know, a number of uh, uh, other of of his, um, like Spring and Fialta, for instance, um, or uh, other things, you know, any given Chekhov story or lots of Catherine Mansfield that you could read all throughout your life and many many times and find so much to be um bewildered by and um in awe of and you know in the presence of uh, of just wondrousness as well that's it's just a, uh, did you love it again once again oh, i'm sure it's totally it's you've yeah. read before yeah and you um, notice
0: little things more every time and it's about those little things just finding the wonder and you know uh know was glass-blown minutiae is the line that he ascribes to Cynthia Vale um but yeah Um,
1: it's yeah it's one of my favorites of his and one that I just I think you know okay let me brace myself when I sit down because I you know Nabokov's on my on my top shelf you look up there you can see you know at at the very top that he's there and Henry James and Proust right right below him uh but yes absolutely and I think you know he talked uh um very very sincerely for as sincere as he could be with interviewers about the ways in which he wrote to amuse himself and somebody with such a towering you know and uh um brain uh, uh I, I think i i dare say he would he he would have to invent you know a certain amount of, of games for his delight um Think, thinking solely, you know, as he, he remarked many a time in strong opinions, that, you know, he really writes with nobody but himself, an ideal reader in mind. That's not to say that it's all solipsistic, although he's been accused of that. But I think that there, you know, he's not alone. Robert Smith has said many a time about Cure songs, that when he wants to hear a, a great song without hubris, um, he'd say, "I write one, and I can really relate to that because I I do write both, you know, um, songs and stories in or, in order to, to please myself, and you know, do the same thing when I paint something that should have something that I really want to look at, or you know, I'll toss it. Um, and I I think that's I think again that's I'm going to repeat a word here, just like William Boyd does, rebarbative. I think it's disingenuous for anybody to say, oh." You know, or that's the kind of music that I I really don't, I really don't admire when it's evident that or acknowledged that somebody goes, yeah, I had a, a listener in mind or, you know, it's just this, it finds a parallel in the type of band that would look to an audience to see what's Vogue and then try to match their, you know, their product in the true sense of the word to, to that. I mean, maybe this is why our stuff sells in the not thousands. You know, that uh, that uh, that the niche is just somebody just like me. I mean, I end up buying my own records sometimes because I always run out of the ones that the label gives me. So, in order to in order to turn somebody on, you know, or um, you know, make them happy or uh, wish them happy birthday, I end up I was looking frightfully at. Amazon the other day know uh, with it's a, it's we all know it's the devil but it's a convenient devil sometimes when you want to just ship something without going to the post office and i I think i I think I bought brilliant failures twelve times last year <laughs> so, you know its just it's it's pretty funny so yeah so I am my own oh, audience oh. <laughs> in more ways than one sometimes and obviously now realizing how sad that sounds but still you you lead me up these garden paths you know
0: i had no idea that was coming
1: yeah you thought it's your inadvertent breadcrumbs that send that send me into the wolf's lair here anyway
0: so what have you been reading lately
1: Oh gosh there's 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 a there's a an, again a pyramid the, you know a pyramid come avalanche of things I'm I'm a, the kind of masochist I don't know if you're like this too that you know I make it part way through a text and I I give up life is too short I've lost the graduate school habit of being bloody bloody-mindedly finishing a book. So I go back to things going, I've got to make it through a pension novel other than Lot 49. Or I've, I've got to do this even though I can't stand this guy, um, uh, Cormac McCarthy. Um, so, you know, I, I love Rachel Cusk. I, I, I just picked up her her collection of essays. Um, because I've been blown away by the, uh, I have all of her stuff and I'm madly in love with her. I'm so sorry that she's married. Um, not that I have a chance, but Rach, if you're listening and you're unhappy, uh, I'm joking. You should L- send lots her a Rachel secret Cuff. message. Yeah. In your um, and I, often, I have a, a close friend, no, not so secret message. I have a, my closest, oldest, best friend, Brad DeViro, who, um just re- just retired after years of working in the silicon gulch and who's an absolute brilliant computer scientist who's loves literary things as well um i just sent him a biography of D- uh, leonardo da vinci um he's italian american and so he spent a, a quantity of time there and loves art so sometimes i'll send a friend a book you give me your address i'll do that too or we can just talk because you probably have the book um, <laughs> Uh, or you can get it uh, that, you know, and just to read something together. I'm not a joiner. I don't, I would never be in a book club. People have said, Oh, you're a retired professor. You know, you know, why don't you, why don't you start a book club or something? I go, I would be the worst person to do that because I'd be so bored uh, unless I could control it. You know, Socratically. <laughs> um So, but, but a one-on-one sort of thing. I loved, uh, you know, to a friend going, you know, Let's read Wilkie Collins. Let's get into the Moonstone and see, see what we have um, there. So you and I should do that sometime.
0: We what should think. we do? Well, maybe
1: I'll start with the James Bond that you, you recommended. There you go. That seems perfect. Let's do yeah. it. Okay.
0: <sighs> I like this a lot. Brilliant. So the reason I've, I've, I did ask you back, besides all the subliminal messages, is uh, to talk about your new record, which is your second record this year, From Things Some That. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: you want to explain that title
1: uh yeah it was a freudian slip um oh you know you know i was thinking mr young southpaw i was thinking that i should pitch to our publicist that i should write uh i should write a review of of our new record i should try i should try to uh, place in a zine somewhere where the artist reviews his own record because uh even though the reviews from from thing uh, have, have been glowing of late and there's apparently more coming. So many times people just think that comparisons to other bands suffice rather than an, a description of, of the music. And it's so difficult. It would be a, you know, a task to set myself or anybody. I know you've, uh, or I'm, I'm guessing you've written about music and I'm sure you have. Um, in uh-huh. fact, um, but, but and it's not an easy sort of thing to do. But I thought I, I could do a much better job. you know I try to keep it you know a, to a modest nine out of ten rather than a 10 out of ten on a numerical from a numerical standpoint. Uh, but you know that was a Freudian slip. that'd be the first thing that I'd you know elucidate for the listener um, that I, I was singing something from that and it came out from things some that. and we love we as much as, you know, puns are egregious as the saying goes. Um, I thought, you know, so many of our titles have been deeply tongue in cheek, like jiggery P- pokery or tatterdemalion or amphetamines that can, you know, contain a lot of slow songs <laughs> or the gospel according to John. Um, or Led Zeppelin 5. In fact, you know, you tally them in almost all of them. I Sing the, I sing the Snow Queen. I Sing the Snow Queen. That one, you know, was I very deliberate <laughs> too. You know, I don't like it when, I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people make puns, usually not funny people. You know, you consider yourself a funny guy, um, loves, uh, loves funny fiction, and, you know, maybe, you know, your listeners might one day discover that an alter ego of yours has written a funny <laughs> novel or something. To one of these, one of these days, who knows? Uh, but. Uh- um, but I, am I, you know, that would be telling, I'm not going to tell, but, uh, you know, you, so you appreciate funny stuff, but puns, you know, are, are something of a cop-out, but we seem to gravitate towards them, so there's another one of life's little ironies, I don't know, it's just the publicist again, Robert Vickers, our, our guy for this record, has said, you know, gosh, I, I, I do want to tell you that Um, I'm thankful because people can Google this one. There are no other records or books called From Things Some that the gospel according to John, however, was a different story by biblical and otherwise. So, you know, there you have it. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It just came along and the cover, the cover, the picture of the grass tennis court somewhere in England with a beautiful tutor uh background has nothing to do it's the usual non sequitur on our on our parts to cover and, and the title has have nothing really to do with the content um they why because no one can stop me i'm really my own master here um I,
0: I was gonna say you've got two records out this year an ep coming out this is like a 1970s kiss album schedule like
1: where's this volcano yeah.
0: of creativity coming from
1: Um, The fact that I retired from being a professor and I don't have an idea for a book and I have a brand new 12 string guitar, electric 12 string and Epiphone Casino, if the Epiphone people are listening, you know, (laughs) right next to Rachel Cusk, if you're there, you can send me another one, please. Um, Just every time I get a new guitar, I manage to, it, it, it whispers a bunch of new songs to me somehow. I mean, I know that sounds trippy, hippy, dippy, but it's it's kind of it's sort of true. So now
0: they, they say there's at least one song in every instrument.
1: Yeah. and But, you know, then I take it and I tune it down and I capo it up and um, all of the above. And then suddenly I've got 10. Um, you know, the other thing is that I'm blessed beyond blessed and i hate it when people say oh i'm so grateful for this yogurt (laughs) you know or whatever but i really am lucky i have a perpetual shamrock in my pocket um in having friends uh, and who are close associates who have studios very good studios and great skills they're not you know they're not they're they're no greenhorns um where uh, occasionally they'll have a, a week of free time. And, you know, we hang out and um, have a couple of pints and uh, plug in. So, I mean, Los Angeles is still really good, really good for that. There are lots and lots of really talented people. And um, I think I've only touched the faders or a button in 30 years, maybe four times. I couldn't, I mean, I, I, I couldn't record myself on a, on a cassette player from 1970 <laughs> <laughs> somehow, you know. I've never had a four-track. I, I tried to make something on it once. It was just dreadful. I, I'm sure it ended up it ended up flung in the corner. Um, but so that's that's really nice. It's a very symbiotic sort of thing. Uh, just to have have so many close friends who who can record. They record their own stuff or they record bands. So that okay. that's that's why. I mean, there's just a you know a, a, a host of great people to work with. Um and it's a great excuse for us to hang out. I mean, I don't think we've never had a record where it was at all um i mean it's been it's been arduous before, but it's never not been super enjoyable. It's my favorite place to be, so I get these little budgets and I go and spend them and then um you know uh, I'm sure i'm sure I'm itching to go in and get and do another one. I think it would be grotesque for me to put up three records in one year because I'm kind of getting sick of the Robert Pollard. You know comparisons too. Although somebody did uh, um, a reviewer did you know secretly you know um, you know in a hush hush way say you know your songs are better than Bob Pollard's. I'm going come on get out of there, you know (laughs) that you know that's sacrilegious and you're probably trying to wind (laughs) me up. Um, You know I mean I I could see how he might say that because there's so many of them that how how does he he can't possibly keep from having them sound samey when you put out four records in in a year and you have a certain you know style mind you i really like guided by voices who who doesn't never met anybody who didn't didn't like them um but yeah yeah so yeah there'll probably be another one (laughs) coming sometime next year yeah sure why not no one's stopping me i'm not stopping myself but it would be the i don't know i was reading this um, uh, uh, an introduction to Swinburne's poems. He He's another guy that I try to like, you know, he's just so self-indulgent, but, but musical and so over the top. And it's just, they're just word, word, word jumble sales sometimes. But I was reading this introduction to Swinburne and, you know, the, the author said, you know, certainly Swinburne produced too much. And I, I think that there is a danger there. To in in history, I mean, if I could be so bold as to put it in those terms, to think of how is your oev going to be, you know, regarded um, if you watered it down by t- putting out, you know, too too much stuff. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I'm on the cusp of too much. I'm thinking um, these days that the the next one we do, if if it's done, um, will be the twentieth full length LP, and that might be as ds Paul counseled some uh, you know uh, aspiring and productive um, african novelist when he lived in africa he said maybe it's time to stop <laughs> so it might be time it might be time to stop i might have given the world enough music by the next one you know i have to try to t- i have to try to top you know the the jock in me the guy that plays tennis 5 days a week you know uh, is I'm I'm only really competitive with myself in that realm. I I only try to play well. I never care if I win. But it, the the competitive person in me might want to try to just do better than I did last time. And um and so who knows?
0: Plus, you really enjoy making the records, as you. Just
1: oh said. yeah, absolutely. You're just if you if you met the people that I work that I work with, you'd go wow. I could see how you'd want to just be here every day. I mean, they're they're always really bright. And really funny and um, they know my quirks and you know uh, pot- potential you know peccadillos, and work around them really well I mean I, I, we really only work with people we've worked with before so that's the way it goes
0: Speaking of tennis have you ever played a gig on a tennis court?
1: No <laughs> no we haven't we played in a basketball uh, stadium um, uh, to to something like uh gosh what was it maybe fifteen thousand people we played a festival in fresno at the at the, uh, the, the the Fresno state arena where we were mismatched with a bunch of um rap bands and pop bands and that sort of thing we got a half an hour set to fifteen thousand people that we did uh because a radio promoter promoter was playing us um so i mean we were certainly certainly the the freaks as it were that was in the 90s i mean we, ju- we just did it because um we, we knew we'd sell a bunch of cds um to people probably who just bought things to have a souvenir because <laughs> it was in the early days of cds so they were still something of a treasure <laughs> rather than you know uh um uh, a, a pyramid a pyramid of you know uselessness in your thrift store
0: How would you feel playing on a tennis court like those two loves of your oh, life gosh, coming together I don't know.
1: we'll plug in we're notorious whores we'll plug in anywhere <laughs> i mean it would be it would be fine i don't know how the sound would do bouncing off the uh it would probably be, be um um better on uh on just a hard court rather than clay clay might absorb it and make it all you know truly muddy pun intended but yeah i don't know you don't could know have like venues yes. but,
0: your guitar, then another guitarist on the other side of the net, like sort of trading. There <laughs> you
1: go. Yeah, of course. Falling. Be a, an excuse for me just to come from the court next door where I'd played because <laughs> I'm such a tennis bum um, and, and plug in. I'm sure people have gigs at country clubs and things like that. You know, yeah, maybe I'll try to get on, get us on that on
0: that circuit, the,
1: the, the tennis, <laughs> different kind of circuit. <laughs> Here we are on on the tour.
0: I was just reminded, like minutes before our, our interview, that uh, my first ever concert was 34 years ago today.
1: Yeah, you know, was, you know, young. I don't enjoy those kinds of references the way that people so very. religiously these days seem to crow you know going like uh, not to take anything away from your concert experience when people just go gosh it was 51 years ago from you know band on the run came out or something or it's been 327 years since Fleetwood Mac's eponymous one or something like that like gosh god you know my knees remind me of of the time that's gone by you don't need to add to that 34 well you're still just a kid look at you that's why you're called young southpaw it was um 34 years is a long it's a lot of shows it too, is I'm sure yeah, yeah uh, think back, i think what was your first show it was
0: david lee roth's first solo tour
1: wow that is
0: you can't take anything a, away from a, that
1: again a mark of you know not oh not dubious distinction but yeah to have been there the things that you would have seen at that show, I'm sure, with well, your your young Southpaw eyes. Young, young Southpaw. And ears. I'm sure he kicked up a fuss, too. I'm sure good old Diamond Dave put on one heck of a show.
0: One heck of a show. Steve Vai on guitar, Billy Sheehan on bass. They did a dueling crazy. thing. It would have only been crazy. better if they were dueling on the tennis court, now that I can
1: Where realize it The Where Hartford was this?
0: Civic Center. Oh, i no kidding.
1: That's crazy.
0: What was your first show?
1: Um I went to see the Beach Boys with a bunch of friends from prep school um that I was uh, um a, a small circle of friends because um not to date myself too terribly but when I was uh, you know in my teen years the things that I liked the Beatles and the Beach Boys were intensely uncool really? people were oh, people were over at my at my school it was very very much like a hardcore stoner preppy prep school ex- experience and you know i was friends with all the long hairs that were deep into black oak arkansas and um jojo gun whom i liked too and um you know sabbath and acdc and all the harder stuff but to to, to like to like candy pop like stuff was just it was you were that people would look at you quizzically the um, uh, so I had a small circle of friends who shared my tastes in a kind of furtive way. But we went to see the Beach Boys um, at the Anaheim Convention Center. And, you know, when you go with your mates, it's just it's un, it's unbelievable. You can't you, you, you can't imagine how I mean, it starts. It starts um, not a lifelong because I'm kind of over live music myself, um, but a, a sort of, you know, a long a long lived kind of you know mania to go to go and have that whole experience and the anticipation maybe i'd go see a concert i I certainly don't enjoy going to see bands in clubs anymore not that that should prevent anybody from seeing the black watch just because i don't go but i find just the waiting around uh you know the the two the 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 two apparent proximity to people who can come up and tell you your last record was uh, a, a a jangly piece of junk or something. Not that I can't take that if anybody ever has the hoods, but to say such a thing, um, which is fine, I don't care. But you know, I find that sometimes, especially in LA, where I've been for a long time, um, you know, I know too many people um, somehow. So that's part that's part of it, and I, and you know, maybe the snob in me just doesn't want to be sub- subjected to rock talk. I get sucked into it as it were so much and you know i don't know um how much experience you have in los angeles but there's there's so many uh, old punkers that want to just um bore you stiff with the times they saw the stiff little fingers or <laughs> the descendants <laughs> of the adolescence or whatever. And I'm, you know, I was never a punk. I'm a post punk. But when I growing up in Santa Barbara, we didn't you know, we didn't have punk. You know, I didn't catch on until nineteen eighty-four or five or something with, you know, the Smiths and the Cure and Christian Death or whatever. So, I you know I don't know anything about punk at all. We were still listening to Jackson Brown and Cat Stevens. We were still a bunch of folkies. You know, that my lovely seaside town
0: well i wanted to ask on the new record i'm hearing lots of more 80s english uh pop band influences or songs i can't quite place so i was wondering we talked about the beatles last time what more stuff from the 80s were you were you into
1: well i mean i'll 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 readily admit that the shadow of the cure has you know loomed large over us ever since we began with the first one saint valentine in 1988 i've tried to mask that um reverence for robert smith and for the cure and it took me a long time to shake off a lot of the inflections but some of them are still there some are still there in the phrasing um i was uh, at that time when i first discovered that and i found the next obsession just as i'd been obsessed you know and in college with stuff like Jackson Brown and Cat Stevens and, and Prague too. I was a big Genesis and yes person as well. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, even the Genesis, you know, like, the uh, tributaries of, uh, you know, um, Anthony Phillips, geese and the ghost, you know, the, really that pretty 12 stringy stuff. I was a sucker for that, you know, songs about his English history and all that. Um, but you know, I still listen heavily to, new order to my bloody valentine's later 80s stuff i don't think isn't anything is this the superior record to loveless i know that's you know only popular with a certain certain crowd um uh i i i don't i don't know i don't know it's just it's when when you play when i, I was i was helping a friend in the studio kind of produce a couple songs last night um that uh, he's invented this uh, kind of a jangle goth my friend Misha Bullock um, has invented a kind of jangle goth thing and I thought um, you know I can tell that he writes songs by just pl- plucking a couple strings at a time and I use the full um, right hand strum of chords uh, usually with uh, strange tunings uh, open tunings and you know and with capos. so I think that that's kind of the difference if if you i started writing songs when i was 10 and my influences were simon and garfunkel so there was picking plucking and you know and strumming and you know the the uh, would have been donovan or dylan or the beatles or whatever you try to do the Beatles kind of stuff um so i think that the way in which you play um kind of dictates slightly how Uh, what genre, you know, things will be if you're deep into the playing like Roger McGuinn, you're going to write things that evoke the birds um, a little bit or the instrumentation again. But yeah, gosh, I mean, 80s stuff, you know, is the stuff that, that was, you know, contemporary with me starting the band. So um, these would have been the, been the things that I would have absorbed religiously and then assayed to purge equally religiously too, because I think that, you know, any artist worth his or her salt is going to, um, go, okay, I see that I'm really influenced by Wallace Stevens or Sledge or whatever the heck it is. Um, better try to hide that, um, lest you get just pegged as, I've always said a band from the eighties or 90s, I think maybe, the Ocean Blue, they can't be their own favorite band, as all bands must be, because they're too in love with Echo and the Bunny you know, <laughs> I'm sure you're the nicest guys in the world, Ocean Blue, if you're listening with the Epiphone people and Rachel Tusk right now. But, you know, gosh, you, you didn't seem to get over your, you know, obsession with, you know, Ian McCullough. So... You got to try to hide that stuff a little bit more. I don't know. Bring in some flugelhorns and a children's choir or something. The
0: old flugelhorn move.
1: Yeah, right. The old flugelhorn move.
0: That'd be weird if like they, the Epiphone people and Rachel Cusk were all together listening to this. Like, you know, at a house party.
1: That would only in a Fellini film there. Mr. South.
0: That'd be a good Fellini film.
1: Yeah, that would indeed.
0: I watched Juliet of the Spirits again recently. Wonderful film. Oh,
1: man. Oh, wow. I've never seen it. I highly recommend it. Uh, Okay. All right. I'll get on that.
0: Let's talk about some of the songs from the album.
1: Okay, sure. Uh, Otherwise, I'm just going to be taking notes from you of stuff that I've got. I mean, don't you get the sense? Isn't there a part of us and all of us who love art so much that, There's a kind of a fear that we'll never get to things and that there are films and books and records that are probably tailor-made for you almost that you may never hear or get round to. I mean, I think I'm really oppressed by this. I think it's in some uh, ways in almost a Henry James-like way, if that doesn't sound too terribly pretentious, that it's impinged upon my ability to live you know just before the lockdown of people going like don't you want to come to this soiree or whatever i'm going between you and dostoevsky i got i gotta choose old foyador you know i'm sure i've used that line with you probably have used that line with you you know in other times but it gets to that stage where you go i'm too terrified that i won't make it through at least one pension book or this wilkie collins i'm you know trying to get through um so that's that somehow that retreat well, into art becomes so all important.
0: While at the same time creating your own stuff that's coming through
1: your head all the yeah. time. It's, I mean it does make me sick because I ingest so much um, stuff in a manner of speaking that it, uh, um, that might be it because my intake is as much as my output um, almost. Um, so I think I got, I think I sicken myself. You could title this. Interview with, with I sicken myself. I do kind of sicken myself with a surfeit of of things. I am the kind of person that would just go, um "Yeah, there was a box of eclairs here in the morning, but now it's afternoon." So I do the same thing with books and records, and I think it's got to come out. It has to come out uh, somewhere where I just go, "God, I can't just devour another thing. I've got to, I've got to unleash something rather than." You know, um it just you know it's good for you like eating a salad.
0: <laughs> do you when you read, do you listen to music at the same time? No, never. I can't
1: do that. No, I know plenty can't people can. It would
0: save so much time, but then you're not giving your attention of what needs no, to be given attention can't
1: to. Can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. No, not at all.
0: Ooh. Pickle. <laughs> so we were gonna talk about the songs. Okay, go ahead. The nothing that is probably the most electronic of what's on the new record
1: yeah that's you know that's that there's where we didn't uh attempt to mask the influence of new order i'm a freak for new order the more guitar-y things of new order for sure and in fact some, a reviewer just said this is the this is the best new order song um and i think but it was rather an outrageous um statement on his part he said this is the best new order song new order hasn't bothered to write and i think he was just being clever because uh, you know i think that's way too high of praise um i worship new order and i think they write incredible songs and they haven't given the world enough stuff um but i thought you know i'm gonna i i had a i got a disco-y kind of dancey beat because without being a person who you know who's who's keen to go dancing anymore um, you know, haul out my Mick Jagger <laughs> imitation or whatever. Uh, although I do love to dance and I do, I do, I am suspicious of people who don't dance or don't cook um, somehow. Yeah. If, if, when, when our Megadon, <laughs> as we <laughs> anomalously say, it, you know, say it comes down, I want people around me who can dance their way through the apocalypse and who also can make something, you know, I get tired of cooking.
0: Um, so would you describe the song as Mick Jagger fronting New Order?
1: Yeah, Mick Jagger fronting New Order. Sure, why not? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I just, I, I thought, let's let's do something really super dancey. And then we took it to another, uh, uh, d- uh, to yet another degree by making a dance remix out of it. Having, having Scott Campbell and other of our producers do that for the, the follow-up EP. Um, it's called you know the nothing that is EP and I'd been reading Wallace Stevens and that's a quotation from Wallace Stevens uh, uh, the nothing that is Um, and I thought you know again like so many songs I have a phrase and I have a I have a beat and I've got uh, a chord progression on my acoustic Um, so the next thing is to to fill it all in and give it some structure Um, so and then when Rob Campanella and I um, did the recording with his brother Andy on drums. Um, we and we made a little video of the making of that song too, of how we built it up. Um, because so so often, um, of late, I've just been I've been the band myself rather than um rehearsing um the and then going and going, and I find it saves a whole lot of time for me instead of to teach this the song to the band to go and record a lot of it myself and then have them come in. And 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 fill in the gaps, um, but yeah, we I mean we loved it. we loved it, and we kept in a mock sort of way that naive young bands filled with piss and vinegar off and say like that's a hit, man. We've got a hit on our hands, and the video came out that was done by my old friend Mike Andrizi, uh chap from uh, Minneapolis, um, who did this charming video with these kids and dogs and uh, um, about a quest to find a lost dog. And it flopped. It didn't. It didn't it, there, there's been maybe 300 hits on the video or something like that. So we had these giant hopes where we'd pump ourselves up, thinking, you know, this, this, it'll be so funny to have this song come out that it sounds like the Black Watch doing their best new order, and this song is going to be huge, and blah blah blah. And it just that hasn't that hasn't happened. Not that that really bothers us. We never got into it, you know, for the sake of being. Um, famous or or rich or any of the, any of that, but um, it was just it's funny because we, the, you know, again goes to show you that you know you're not your best um, cr- critic or admirer too because we just we really thought Rob and I got gosh this song is going to be so so big and so many people are going to be made happy by it, but you know it's early days the record hasn't hasn't even come out yet.
0: Yeah, you can't judge it if the record's not even out.
1: Yeah, so. But you know, singles come out and you get a feel for them and um, that that sort of thing. So, um, but again, you know, I just I just marvel at I, I marvel at um, at at what at the potential for us to do something that's often left unrealized <laughs> somehow. But you know, that's it. but it's quite all right. It's not going to stop us. Um, you know, but we did. The only reason why we'd ever want something to be big quote unquote and to sell would be to get enough money to make and make another one to supplement the tiny budgets that we have come our way hmm. yeah but yeah sure i mean i'm i've listened to it enough and the remix enough that i'm um that i'm well and truly sickened <laughs> but not not in a not in a sort of retching sort of way but you know i've heard it so, i've heard it so much already and it's one of the reasons why we make records rather than going so much on tour because i do get tired of the so- songs because i play them 427 times before we ever just by myself before we ever even go into the studio so they're mm. old old acquaintances at this stage and they haven't even come out yet so there you have it
0: my favorite tune on the record is actually the next one uh, the lonesome death of mary hansen
1: oh yeah i love like major Thank key droney riffs like that yeah i like that too um a good friend of mine Ben Eschbach, who was in a band called The Sugar Plastic. I don't know if you know them. They were on Geffen. Yeah. They were very XTC mix, meets uh, Talking Heads. And Ben is one of the most cerebral people uh, about music I've ever known. I mean, he, he does film scor- scores and string quartets and stuff. He's just an insanely bright guy and really humble and really funny. And uh, The Sugar Plastic is a band that I suggest that everybody check out. Um, he he um, had said, you know, Gosh, I you know I'm a huge fan of you guys. Um, he loves the the song "The Tennis Playing Poet." Rudka said he um, you know it, it, it had been years since that song came out that it, he he told me after years like wow you know you know I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs. I go wow Ben you know it's really gratifying when somebody's work that you admire greatly tells you that's one of their favorite songs. But he said this has replaced "The Tennis Playing Poet." As his new favorite song, and in fact, that he who is a total virtuoso—the kind of guy that has fingers that can reach across seven frets—you know—he plays a beautiful mean guitar, and I'm, I reckon he's rather bored with pop music. Maybe that um, we went to see uh, um, not love and rock a uh, uh, Bauhaus. Um, him and his girlfriend and I went to see Bauhaus, and he goes, you know. Uh, when nighttime came uh, killing joke was my favorite band he said but nighttime came along and it was just too pop and i gave up on them going wow he is a tough one ben is a tough one um but he said he was trying to figure it out a guy who you know writes classical music now and has a reach his hands are uh, insane a reach across seven frets or so and he said john i can't can you show me how, how you played that song wow can you tell me the tuning and show me and I write so many things and I do them so rapidly that it took me hours to find out what I'd done. Cause you know, there are some and you know, once you get two guitars that are tuned differently or capo different, differently as any sonic youth, you know, uh, idolater will tell you. Um, sometimes it is really hard to tell where things come from. So I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could play that song very easily. It would take take a, a you know a minute for me or more to figure it out. But I wanted to pay um, tribute to Mary Hansen, whom I'd met a couple times at Stereo Lab gigs because um, they used to play in Los Angeles and do these kind of secret warm up gigs for their bigger gigs. And they're the nicest people in the world. Um, so I'd met Mary a couple times, and I just thought she added so much to the band on her jazz master and the keys and stuff and she was such a sweetheart and she died so tragically um, you know in london being hit by a bike and the song isn't really about her but It's once again one of those motifs where the title is a total non sequitur in relation to the song because the gist of the song is about how ludicrous it is for bands to think that they write l- lyrics that are poetry because lyrics are lyrics for me and poetry is poetry i've been very outspoken about saying i love dylan but what he does is not literature maybe you know maybe the tarantula text but those are those are lyrics they're not poems um he shouldn't have won the nobel for literature i have almost all of the records i love bob dylan don't get me wrong but lyrics are not in fact an old professor of mine was you know, a great supporter when I went back up to Santa Barbara, he said, You know, John, that your lyrics are poems. And you know, I'm going, You are the most brilliant prof I've ever said, but had, but that is nonsense. It's utter twaddle. I know, I know people who know should know. It's like that Alexander Pope thing about you let those criticize who've written well, you know, somehow. That, um, and so it's sort of kind of thing about, um, because I don't know, you live in Los Angeles and you see a bunch of bands get um, a lot of um, write-ups and attention. And what they, you know, a lot of times what they're writing is just drivel. And I don't, I don't care about lyrics unless they're terrible. One of my favorite bands are uh, among them are the Cocteau Twins and My Bloody Valentine. And you can't, you can't tell what they're saying at all because they don't, they don't matter. Political rock doesn't appeal to me one bit to go sloganeering through three minutes to take a really you know um convoluted you know a uh, beyond complex problem um uh, like uh, like any given political thing and try to treat it in in uh, you know in three minutes is is preposterous you posted about the clash yesterday though yeah, I love the class, sure. I mean, again, I'm not listening to what they say <laughs> beyond I'm so bored with the USA, which we've all gotta be, you know, bored with the USA and our ineptitude, our collective ineptitude and you know congressional ineptitude. So if Congress, if you're listening with Rachel Cusk Ep- Epiphone and the ocean blue, please send us our next stimulus check. You know, here I'm here to testify. Testified Johnny, uh, that you know we all need another twelve, uh, measly twelve hundred bucks. I, I have a lot of friends who do do quite well for themselves. I've always hated that expression, like only for yourself, not for others. Um, have done quite well. are going ah, oh, twelve hundred bucks. What good is that going to do me? I'm going shove it over my way. If I'll accept, uh, you know, your you endorse it over because I could use the twelve hundred dollars myself. But yeah, you know, yeah. I'm listening to melodies. I'm a melody guy I'm you know, I learned to write songs by worshiping the Beatles and worshipping in church and being forced to sing hymns. That's me. All right what's what's the next one? The Lonesome death of Mary Mary Hanson? because you know that title uh, you know evokes Dylan from you know Hattie Carroll. that's that was okay. another part, too. So there's, but that was another message to you that you missed.
0: Oh, I got to get on this.
1: you getting t- enough caffeine, to, to get some more ingested in your brain, young, you know, so you can catch all these messages. I was trying to talk to you through Dylan and Mary Anson.
0: Oh man, I, I'm sorry.
1: It's okay. It's okay. I'll pay more attention. There will Next time be you send another me record,
0: yeah. Uh, such like friendly demons. It's got this really relaxed, like long held notes feel vocals a bit like late sixties, early seventies psychedelia. I thought,
1: well, that's might be Rob's doing in part um, coaching me um, in terms of uh, doing the vocal performance. He certainly asks me to do way, way, way a lot of takes and then cobbles the best ones together. Um, So uh, I, I just thought, um, as we always do, I mean, I'm, I've said it many a time that I try to make the, the wide album every time we go into the studio and I fail. Um, but to have a song that was very languorous, like Long, 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 um, or Good Night, Good Night, uh, you know, was a necessary thing to break up, you know, the shimmery pop things and skip along Django, Django Pop or the very, uh, you know, deeply. Uh, dream poppy shoegaze, um, kind of stuff. Um, it was just nice to do a more lugubrious thing before the even more lugubrious, you know, record ender. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It just seems like again that that's that that might be conceived of uh, sort of genre hop, but it's natural for me as a as a jolly melancholy person (laughs) to do to do something that again. Tone paints or evokes, you know, a, a, a very dour kind of sensibility, and you know, and that's a song about embracing your, embracing the demons that are also muses. Um, that that it's a crime or a sin for for you one not to do things. I mean, uh, I I know so many blocked people who can't seem to finish things, who have half a record written or a novel in a drawer that's a first draft or they give up after um, 300 pages or something and I I think it's like a lot of our songs you know all kidding aside that they're meant to encourage other people um, you know do really well for yourself in an artistic way follow through and see what you see, what you can do. Don't be afraid. If you have, you're lucky to have a muse or artistic demons, embrace them, invite them in for a cuppa. You know, that's, that's my take on, on that too. Um, because I spent so long being a, a professor, which was, you know, the, for the most part, it's tantamount to being kind of a coach to go, come on, you can do better. You can do better. I can't write your paper for you. And I have such a sports background as well, where I've been yelled at slash encouraged by so many, you know, coaches for the various teams that I've been on and that I quit, you know, um, so, you know, I've been, it's so funny, it's quasi hypocritical to think I'm I'm a serious quitter. I quit being married, I quit smoking, I quit working, I quit trying, you know, on so many levels. But I do feel as though and last night i working with my friend Misha, stuff that it was my role to just go, uh, you know, I can't quit encouraging people to continue to, you know, especially talented people. You've got to combat the non-talented ones. I'm surrounded by them. There's so many here in Los Angeles who people have bands and put out records and they're just rubbish. You know, there's no point for them to be a band Uh, at at all or to produce things and the same thing goes for poets and then there's people with vast talent and and some ambition who are discouraged and dismayed by their own ability to finish things and also probably you know terrified somehow and then they need i could tell last night misha who's an insanely talented drummer and singer and guitar player i know that uh, who's who's not put out a record but just joined other people's bands and is really, you know, determined to do this. He, he just needed somebody to say, "Stop the voices that are telling you you're not good, uh, and quit listening to them and listen to me, who knows? I know, you know, I know best." Um, here, I, I wouldn't kid you on. What you have is really good. Let's find out how good it can be. Let's turn it into an adventure and a kind of a wonderland. Let's go. So that's, I mean, that's really kind of my role. And really when it comes down to all of the songs are meant as consolations, not just to myself, but, you know, to others, because myself is others.
0: <laughs> do you ever have a problem finishing things yourself?
1: Do you have any choice? No, not at all. Never. Because art is sort
0: of like magic in that way, is when you do complete it, it opens up this whole other world for you, just through the process of finishing. I was talking about yeah, this yeah, to someone... Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's very true. And also, if you're only out to please yourself, you can stop when you've done that, you know. Somehow, if it's the people I know, and there are a couple of very cl- people, you know, close people in my life, one of whom um, I I won't I won't name because you know I'm his biggest supporter. Um, but he he just and like lots of really talented people who don't who don't believe you're telling them like no you're really good you're just saying that and they deflect the the compliment i think it 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 finds a parallel in psychology in the sense that we have to learn to take compliments better and i was thinking about this of late too that when somebody tells you wow that's a really nice book you've written or that's a really good song just say thank you they didn't have to say that they Mm. went out of their way to point this out do homage to the fact that they didn't have to compliment you rather than deflecting it less. So many of us do. And I used to do all the time of going, Oh, you don't mean that. Um, Oh, you're just saying that. Oh no, it's not that good. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, a, you know, a a minor um, insult deflection of their, of their, of their, especially if it's sincere and they're not just, you know, it's not just sheer flummery. Um, but you should all you should learn to take a compliment on the chin i i, I truly believe um and I, I think it just it does the world a power of good to be able to to be able to do that and also to encourage people who, who who need it who perhaps think too much about how this might sound you know like lush or sonic youth or whatever to get those voices straight because they're perilous they get they prevent you from Uh, from achieving something and then it's a vicious circle of self-loathing and then that turns to other loathing and that's not how we'll have peace on earth and goodwill towards men and women and artists who are neither men nor women but monsters (laughs) as we all know there's a reason why mummy told you not to date musicians or novelists or anything like that because they are monsters so there you go but to encourage them to continue to make those things that make life worth living, if you ask me. And you did, <laughs> woe betide you, young South Pop. <laughs> woe betide you, et cetera. Et <laughs> is, you know, that people we need to fill our lives with more with more good things to try to push the bad things away, like having a salad after you've chomped down on an entire box of chocolate Eclair.
0: Excellent. Well, I think this is a good place to end it. Thank you so much Um, for
1: coming on the show. Thank you you very much. It's been an honor and a pleasure we do. Excellent. Yeah. All
0: right. Entertaining as always, Mr. Frederick. And I dug what he was saying about encouraging others so much better than us putting each other down and blocking one another all the time. The new Black Watch album, From Things, Some That, is out October 23rd. And the Nothing That Is EP is out November 3rd. All these thirds, man. Probably going to have to have him back on the show for a third time. Another little hidden message there. Well done, Mr. Frederick. The Black Watch have a huge back catalog. It's always exciting when you get into a band and then you have like all that to explore. Head on over to their Bandcamp page for a selection of that. My favorite Black Watch tune all time is Terrific from the album Flowering. Definitely check that out. And at Southpaw News, I'm still cranking out these weekly stories, and I've got other releases in the works. You can still check out the Lost Archimedes album over on Bandcamp, youngsouthpaw.bandcamp.com. The Quietest gave it a great review, and I quote, This isn't your usual spoken word slash comedy album, where the setups and punchlines follow each other, it's far more interesting. Awesome. I really appreciated that. There's a ton of this stuff over at youngsouthpaul.com. Check it out. And if you enjoyed this episode of etc., check out the other ones. I've had Matt Osmond from Suede on recently, Steve Kilby from The Church, Carla Easton, Whitney Matheson, John Higgs, Martin Atkins. Great stuff really good interviews a lot of fun subscriptions and shares always appreciated and for now I'm going to play you out with my favorite tune from the new black Watch album this is the Lonesome death of Mary Hansen
1: Words lying round, that will fit this compliment on sound. you through your steps